Well, good morning. It's good to be with you. I, I love second service because um, there's no time limit, right? And so uh, we, won't, we won't bleed into the second service because you, you are the second service. So we should have a good time. There's a lot of people freaking out right now. I promise I will let you go home and eat lunch. Uh, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad my wife's here, Amber. She doesn't get to go with me very often. And so I'm glad my wife Amber's here and, and our four kids are tearing up your kids department right now. And we're glad to be here this morning and to be with you. Um, I am from Toledo, been working in Toledo for the last five years, and it, it's been good. You know, it's good to be in Buckeye country um, because in Toledo, we're about 50% Michigan fans and 50% Ohio State, and so it's good to be with Buckeye fans this morning. And uh, it, God's been good to us the last five years as we've been in Toledo. Uh, just uh, Michigan's making me nervous this year, all right? So just keep praying, and, and we'll keep winning, and everything will be good. Um, if you have your Bible this morning, we're going to be in Mark chapter 5. Uh, so if you would turn there for Mark chapter 5, we're going to be starting in verse 21. And I just want to share just a little bit about Commission Toledo. Uh, this is your organization. You're a part of Northwest Ohio um, District Church of the Nazarene. And Commission Toledo is our effort to go back into the city, a city of about 600,000 people in the metropolitan area um, where people need Jesus. We currently have three churches uh, in metropolitan Toledo, and we, we need more. Three churches. Uh, these three churches do not run 200,000 people, all right? And so we need more churches. And this is your effort, our effort together. The key there is co-mission. So together we are going to start churches in Toledo. As we get started this morning, can I pray for you? And can I pray for me as we get into this journey together? God, we are grateful uh, again to be in this place. We are grateful for for young people and how you're using them. And and this young one who was led this morning did a phenomenal job of of leading us into this place of worshiping you. You, a God who is worthy of all praise. A God that is all-powerful, almighty, has all of the resources, has all of the plans. God, you have orchestrated all of this, and we are just your ambassadors. We are just your people in a broken world. And God, I just say right now, use us. Use us. The brokenness, sinners that we are, use us in this room. Fill us with your Holy Spirit so we can go out and proclaim the good news of Jesus to people who are hopeless and need good news. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, so my name is Jacob. I, I grew up in a Nazarene church, a very typical Nazarene church. My mom was a, a follower of Jesus for a long time. My dad became a follower of Jesus when I was very young. My dad, when he became a follower of Jesus, he was gung-ho. He was all in. And so my growing up or my experience, I was always at church. Like they really should have given me a room and a cot because I just felt like I was always at church and Sunday morning and Sunday afternoon for meetings and Sunday night and during the week and, and missions event and prayer meetings and I was always in church. That was just my experience. Uh, when I was very young, about five or six, I was in a VBS meeting, and I, I remember that. I was with my brother, and we were sitting in the, in the pew together, and, and my brother that day had his favorite Cheerio shirt on. And, and I had my favorite Cheerio shirt on because it was my brother's favorite. And it was my favorite. And all I remember about that service is at the end, my brother went up front to meet Jesus. And I didn't know anything about Jesus. I was a five or six-year-old kid. And all I knew is that my brother wanted to meet Jesus. And if it was good enough for my brother, it was good enough for me. And so I got up and I knelt next to my brother and accepted Jesus into my life. I had no idea what I was doing um, or what that meant. But all I knew is I, I needed to know more about this guy named Jesus. 
I attended, uh, of course, a church who, who brought me up as a part of Sunday schools and vacation Bible schools and Sunday morning and Sunday night and all these different events. They were teaching me about who Jesus was. And I started to fall in love with Jesus. I loved the stories of Jesus. And yes, I loved the Old Testament. And I loved Abraham, Isaacs, and Jacobs, and Josephs, and Samuel, and David, and all of these wonderful characters. But there was something different about Jesus. Amen? Is everybody awake this morning? All right, you're all really quiet. There's something different about Jesus. He brings something different to the table. He just loves like no other. His forgiveness is like no other. The hope that he offers is like nothing else that we could ever imagine. And so I remember falling love, in love with Jesus and the stories of Jesus and, and the people he interacted with. But something happened in my teenage years, and as I was getting ready to go off to college, as I was, as I was learning more and more about Jesus, I was noticing something in my church. We were not reaching the outcast. Uh, we, we were not reaching the prostitutes. We, we were not reaching the, the tax collectors of the day, the, the cheaters, the liars, the, the, those trying to get ahead. We, we were not re, uh, reaching the homeless. We were not reaching those outcasts because of their their diseases or their deficiencies. We were not reaching those types of people. The people that seemed to hover around Jesus and, and tried to fight their way to Jesus, they were not coming in the doors of our church. I loved my little church growing up, and I don't, I don't fault them for that, but they, I was just noticing this and just saying, I think Jesus is calling me to something different. Because what I have learned, and what I have learned in, in looking at the life of Jesus, Jesus came to die for all people. Jesus came to die for white people, and black people, and Hispanic people, and Asian people, and upper class people, and middle class people, and lower class people, and Republicans, and Democrats, and Dolphins fans, and Browns fans. Like all people are included in the cross, church. And what, and what I saw is we need to continue to reach out to those broken people for some reason that were not coming into our local churches. I want to share with you a quick story in Mark chapter 5. I, I could tell you several stories about Jesus. This is just happens to be one of my favorite. Mark chapter 5 in verse 21. Let me give you a little bit of context. People are obsessed with Jesus. And so as he is teaching and as he is healing people, there are always these mass crowds that just gather around Jesus. And so we see here in Mark chapter 4 um, that Jesus is teaching and people are obsessed and crowded. So he gets in the boat and he goes to the other side of the lake. He goes to the other side of the lake and there's a guy there with multiple personalities and all of these issues and Jesus touches him and heals him and people freak out and they want more of Jesus. And so it's just too much. Jesus gets back in the boat. Now he goes back to the other side of the lake. This is Jesus' journey, right? He's going back and forth uh, from one side of the lake to the other. And this is where we pick it up in Mark chapter 5, verses 21. Jesus gets out of the boat, verse 22. It says, Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came and saw Jesus. He, and then he fell at his feet. Verse 23. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please, will you come put your hands on her that she will be healed and live? All right. So what do we know about this guy? So Jesus gets out of the boat. As soon as he gets out of the boat, there's a crowd already waiting for him. All right. They just want to see Jesus. And this man comes and falls at Jesus' feet. But who is this man? Who is he? Jarius. Right? We know he's been given a name. All right. We know that he is what? What's his job? 
Come on, just look at your Bible, look at your app, all right? He's a leader of the local synagogue, right? And so Jarius is given a name. He must mean something. People know Jarius. They know him by his position. He is a leader in the community. He is a leader of the synagogue. He must have some kind of status in the community. He's probably middle to upper class. And so when he comes and he falls at the feet of Jesus, it means something. Because he has status and clout in the community. He falls at the feet of Jesus and he says, my daughter's sick. Will you come lay hands on her? And what does Jesus say? Yes, right? That's what Jesus does. I mean, he loves to be with people and to heal people and share the good news. And so obviously Jesus is going to go to Jairus' house. So Jesus starts walking. And as he's going to Jairus' house, so you have Jairus and Jesus and the crowd and the disciples. And you have all of these people as a mob moving towards Jairus' house. And then something happens. A large crowd starts pressing around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had, she had suffered a great deal under care of many doctors, and she spent everything that she had. All right, so again, picture Jesus and Jairus and the disciples and this mob, and they're heading towards Jairus' house, this man who has status and stature, and then along comes a woman. What do we know about this woman? Do we know her name? She's not even identified. That's significant. She has no significance. All that we really know about her is what? She's sick. She's hurting. She's been bleeding for 12 years. She's been trying to get an answer to this medical issue for 12 years. If I get a hangnail for 12 days, I'm freaking out. This is a 12-year issue, right? And all we know about this woman is her deficiencies. We don't know her name. We don't know her status. We don't know anything about her. But really, we do know she's an outcast because she's considered unclean. She's unworthy. She can't go to the local synagogue. She can't go to the local market. She can't hang out with local people because she's unclean. And so she's kicked out of the community, and she probably gets the scraps. We also know that she's a woman, and in that society, in that place, she, she even more was ostracized because, again, only men could speak in that culture, right? And so she's a woman. We don't know if she's with anybody, and she has this deficiency, and we know that she needs a healing, and she's given all of her resources to be made whole, and nothing has happened. Then we get to verse 27, right? What's it say in verse 27? It's so powerful. Verse 27, when she heard about Jesus... When she heard about Jesus, what does this tell us, church? What does this tell us? Someone's been talking about Jesus. It doesn't happen on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat and all this kind of stuff. She actually overheard somehow, even as an outcast outside the community, she heard that this man named Jesus was on her side of the lake. And all she knew is if she could get close to Jesus and she could touch Jesus, she believed that she could be completely healed. And a desperate person in a desperate situation that is out of options, what do you think that she was going to do? She was going to see Jesus. Even if nobody else wanted her to get to Jesus, she was going to get to Jesus. And that's what she does. She makes her way to Jesus. She touches the, the hem of his garment. And what happens? Just by the touch, she is healed completely healed. Now something amazing happens. That's pretty amazing, but keep going down. Um, At once, Jesus realizes that somebody's touched him, and he asks this profound question in verse 30, who touched me? (laughs) Right? 
And so I, I'm a Cleveland fan, right? I'm a Cavs fan, and we, we just won a championship, all right? And so it was a big deal in Cleveland, and I went downtown, and there was 1.3 million people. There's a crowd of people, all right? And it was uncomfortable, all right? There, there was just 1.3 million people, and we were getting ready to cheer. I can imagine what this crowd was like, and somebody touched Jesus. Like, that's a dumb question, Right? I mean, of course somebody touched you. And he said, somebody touched me. Something went out from from me. Power. And what was he doing? Was he trying to embarrass this woman? Was he trying to call this woman out? No. What Jesus was doing as he looks at her, what he does, he gives her an identity. He was healing her physically, but he was also healing her in the community. He was saying, what, how does he address her? Go down to verse um, 34. He says, he says to her, daughter, daughter, you matter. The rest of the community has kicked you out because of your sickness and your deficiencies, but you have been restored physically, but you have also been healed and restored to my father's kingdom. You are now a daughter of the king. Amen. Amen. We have been restored. If you know Jesus, you have been restored as a son and daughter. And now she has been restored physically, but also in God's kingdom. Amen. That's powerful. And this is what we're trying to do in Toledo. There's people that need to be restored. There's people that matter, that need the hope and the love of Jesus. There are many, many, many hopeless people in our world that are looking for answers. And the church has got to talk more about Jesus. Walking shoulder to shoulder with real people and saying, hey, I know it looks hopeless, but guess what? It doesn't really care about Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton. It matters is Jesus. It does. Church, it does. So we started this organization called Commission Toledo to reach those who won't traditionally come into our churches. And so we kind of live by three values and how we're kind of creating our churches in Toledo. And there will be a test on this, so please take close notes. Here's what we're trying to do. We're trying to listen to people. I feel like this is something Jesus did remarkably well. Jesus was with people. Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' house, and they didn't stop by McDonald's and pick up a bag of burgers and fries. And No, 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 they had to prepare a meal. Jesus spent several hours with Zacchaeus and his family and his friends. And, and we feel like in Toledo, we need to listen to our neighbors. We need to listen to broken people. Sometimes the church, we get antsy and we get excited and we just want to go and do and we forget to listen and get to know the names of people. What's your story? What's your history here? What are your talents? What are your assets? What are your deficiencies? Where can we come alongside you and help you and partner with you? And so we want to listen to people. And we do that in a variety of different ways. We, we throw parties. That just seems like the easiest way to get people. And we throw block parties and backyard Bible clubs where we invite children to come out. And we do movies in the park where we just show a goofy movie. And families come out in the droves. 60, 70 people will come out and watch Zootopia. All right, But an incredible way to get to know neighbors and to listen to them and get to hear their story. It's what we're trying to do. Listen. Second thing we're trying to do is connect. We realize that we have a limited amount of resources. 
a limited amount of connections in the community. We're going back into Toledo, all right? And so we need to connect with local organizations and local people to, to really get to understand the, the community a little bit better. And so we're connecting with um, Toledo Public Schools, and, and we're connecting with the YMCA system, and we're connecting with other churches and nonprofits and faith-based and not non-faith-based. Anybody who wants to work and values and loves people, we're willing to jump on board with because we believe people matter. We believe they're sons and daughters of the king. And so we're connecting with organizations. One of those organizations is called Empuzzlement. And um, we, we need groups like Empuzzlement. About two years ago, many of you know, we had a, a water crisis in Toledo. Did you, did you hear about that? And we didn't really know where we were going to get water or how long it was going to last. And so we called Empuzzlement. And Empuzzlement, their, their whole mission is to get excess food from different places around the country and bring it to where it's needed. And so we called Empuzzlement and said, we need 1,100 cases of water. And they had it to us in 12 hours. And so we partner with Empuzzlement. We throw all these cases of water in the back of trucks, and we're literally just driving through neighborhoods, handing cases of water to our neighbors, just saying, we love you, we care about you, and we want, we want to get to know you. An incredible way of just connecting in our communities. The third thing, so we listen and we connect, and the third one is create. I believe with everything inside of me, that the way that we transform cities, neighborhoods, communities, the world is through the local church. I believe it. I love our parachurch organizations. I love our faith-based nonprofits. I, I'm on board with them. I support them. But there is nothing like the local church. It can change a community. It can change a neighborhood. If they believe that their sole purpose is outside of 1030 on Sunday morning. We need churches that come into the community and embrace the culture and love the people and offer the cold water and offer the clothes and offer the education and offer the good news of Jesus Christ. I believe will change Toledo. So that's what we're trying to do. Uh, we have a couple church plants already. Uh, we're starting to gear up. We have one that's um, a possibility right now that could be starting any day now, and, and it's in a homeless shelter. Um, it's called the Family House. And the family house is a unique homeless shelter because men and women can stay together as a family. So men, typically the men go to one shelter and the women and children go to another. But in this um, center, they, the family can stay together. And, and they are completely open to a church coming into the shelter. I mean, their, their executive director found Jesus uh, two years ago. And uh, she came to me uh, this past summer. She said, hey, Jacob, we can meet the physical needs of these people. We can get them jobs. We can get them their documents. We can rehouse them. But what they really need is Jesus. What is the church of Nazarene going to do about it? And so we're trying to figure out how do you start a church in a homeless shelter where basically you have 90 days to build a relationship with people. I don't know how it's going to happen. But I'm just glad the song Oceans, that as I go, as I step out of the boat, that God's going with me, and he's going to lead us in this new church plan and homeless shelter. We have another one that's getting uh, in the Believe Center that we really believe um, in the next year. We'll have a, one there, and really in a Hispanic culture. Um, that it's a pretty unique setting, and, and we have more opportunities with the YMCA. But God has just really blessed us as we've listened, connected, and, and trying to create new church plants in Toledo. So um, how do we do this? Like, wh what are we doing? Here's what we're doing. Um, I'll show you a slide here. Uh, man, it's probably been eight, nine months ago. I got a call on a Monday morning, and the person on the other end of the line said, hey, Jacob, could you use $25,000? 
Like, I don't know what your Monday's like, but I usually don't get a call on Monday morning that says, hey, do you, can you use $25,000, right? And so my, my job on Monday is to wake up <laughs> and to get my coffee and to kick my kids out of the house, right? And so $25,000, that seemed like a really good deal. And so my response would probably be like yours is, yeah, I can use $25,000. And they said, well, Jacob, what's the plan? Like, what are you guys doing in Toledo? How could we use this money to further the kingdom of God? And so we kind of put together this plan of creating mobile trailers, And these trailers would basically help us throw parties in in neighborhoods around the community. They're they're mobile, and so we can move them from parks to churches to other locations to reach as many people as possible uh, for Jesus. And so the first trailer that we put together is just full of inflatables and these big up like hamster balls that kids just run into. And they have all these kind of soccer balls and footballs and um, soccer goals and grills and um, audio system and video system and you name it, there's a popcorn machine and a slushy machine, and basically we can throw the biggest, best parties in Toledo. Uh, it's, it's phenomenal. We've done it. We did it several times last summer without trailers. This summer we've done it about 12 times with these trailers. And basically it's a great way to throw a party, and you know who comes to parties? Everybody comes to a party, right? All right, there's inflatables. The kids freak out when they see them, and so everybody's showing up, and all we're trying to do at those events is, listen, who are you? How are you? What's your life like? What's your story? What, tell us the history of this community. Starting to build that relationship. Start to build those connections because we believe in the next six months, year, three years, we're going to be starting a, a church in that community, right? So we're trying to mess with the soil and stir up the soil and really see what God is doing in these communities. And so the first way we do it is with the block party trailer. Um, the one there on the left is one that we threw at the family house. And um, we did a really cool uh, a back-to-school event with them. And we had five ladies cutting hair. And so they got a fresh haircut. And then uh, they got all their school supplies. We had another church, uh, Hope Community, that you guys know, Nazarene Church. They provided all the school supplies. So they got their new book bag, got all their supplies for school. And then they went down to the cafeteria. And they got hot dogs and popcorn and a slushie. And then they came outside and they got to play like kids for two hours and it was unbelievable. And as, as we were kind of packing up things, ready to go at the end of the night, there was a dad that started to walk towards me. And you know that, that when, when somebody starts to walk towards you, you start to, in your mind, you're like, oh no, like, did I hurt their kid? Or is this a lawsuit? You know, like, what, what's going to happen? And so this dad's kind of walking towards me. And I'm like, hey, like, how, how is it? And he was like, thank you. Thank you. He goes, we've been in this shelter for three months, and the majority of these kids, I have never seen smile. Three months, and these kids have not been kids because of their, their situation of just being moved from house to house to shelter to jumping from school to school, and for one night, they got to smile and be kids. Guys, I think that's just Jesus. I think that's just loving people and building relationships and then sharing the good news of Jesus. And so, again, we did this at the, the, the family house. We've done, again, movie nights in the park. Now, the other trailer that we put together is we're trying to reach our teenagers, our, our young men, our college, young adult men. Um, we realized that we need to do something to reach out to them. And so we put together a video game trailer. Uh, for some reason, our generation loves video games. And, and I'm, I'm right with them, all right? And so we put together this trailer, and there's four big screen TVs in there, and there's a place where they can be comfortable and kind of play games and kind of just hang out, check out life. And, and you know the cool thing about video games is you don't sit down and play video games for five minutes. 
Madden takes like 40 minutes. <laughs> and so you got to sit beside me and play Madden. And I get to know you. I get to talk to you, build a relationship with you. And then I get to share Jesus with you. And all we're doing is playing Madden and Halo and Call of Duty, right? And I tell you what, our young men have really flocked to this. And it's been a really, really cool thing for us. The third trailer that we're you know, currently kind of putting together, uh, one thing that we've noticed in the city of Toledo is that our parks are just overgrown. They've just become really, really rough spots in the city. They've, they've become places where people hang out to do not the best of things. And so what we want to do is we really want to reclaim our parks because what we have understood and what we have learned is parks are nat- natural gathering places. I don't know what you were like growing up, but I remember before iPads and iPods and everything with an eye that my mom and dad used to kick me out of the house. And where did I go? I went to the park. And I played on the teeter-totter and the swings, right? And so we noticed as we've cleaned up a park in Toledo, and we've spent a lot of time throwing parties and doing backyard Bible clubs, is that families, once you clean them up, families are gathering back at local parks. I'm talking 50, 60, 70, 80 people. They're throwing birthday parties and um, class reunions and, and you name it. They're now coming back to the park. And those are great ways for us to build relationships with people. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to put together a landscaping trailer so um, they can take care of their own parks. I I don't want to take care of their park, all right, because I don't live in that neighborhood and every neighborhood we're trying to reach. And so what we want to do is we want to give them resources for them to take care of their own park because guess what? If they had the resources, they would. And they don't. So we can do that as the church, right? It's just a simple way of partnering with our local neighborhoods to say, hey, here's a mower, here's a weed whip, here's a blower. We can take care of our own park and we can throw some parties and have a good time just like everybody else. And so we're currently in the process of raising funds to be able to put this together. Um, We've adopted one park this summer, um, actually the last two or three years, and we're getting ready to adopt two more parks in two neighborhoods where the Church of the Nazarene has never been in the city of Toledo. And so um, it's a a great way, um, we believe, in the future to gather people, to listen, to connect, and create churches. Amen? There's three things I want to leave you with, okay? There's three things. Here's the first one. There are broken people in your community. There are people living at the margins of Marysville, Ohio. We heard about some in our prayer time. I was with our teens, and and when Josh was sharing that, you know, there was two kids who OD'd last night on heroin. These are not just Toledo big city issues. They're in your neighborhood. Why do people do this? Why? They're hopeless. They're hopeless. They're desperate. Church, how long are we going to continue to sit back hoping they're going to walk in the doors of our church? It's not good enough, okay? We have to leave our church and really understand the great commission that we have been called to be ambassadors for Jesus. We have called to live life like Jesus did. We are as little Christ to live life with people shoulder to shoulder and and, and with them work through their life issues with the good news of Jesus. And that takes time. That takes money. That takes everything inside of you to walk with people. Do you have that in you? Can you do that? Because as we do it in Toledo, and I love Toledo, and I love what God's called us to do, it's just as important that the church at Marysville Church in Nazarene is doing that in Marysville, Ohio, because there's broken people here, okay? Can you do that? Students, find those kids in your local school, colleges, where you work, where you get your hair did, wherever you folks go to hang out. There are broken people that need the hope of Jesus. Will you do it? It's not optional, okay? 
If you follow Jesus, you got, you got to be all in, okay? Number two, will you pray for us? I mean, seriously, will you pray for us? As, as we are going into really uncharted water for the Church of the Nazarene, which is just unheard of, you would never think that the Church of the Nazarene hasn't been in some of these neighborhoods, but we haven't. We really feel that we're, we're coming up upon some, some opposition as things spiritual warfare. The devil doesn't want us doing what we're doing, okay? The devil does understand the power of the local church. And so we need some prayer warriors. We need some people that are praying for us, praying for favor like Nehemiah had when he went to the king. We need people praying for us. We need missionaries. Yes, missionaries. You don't have to serve in Africa or Central America. Those places need it. I get it. But we also need them in Toledo. I mean, for real. Like, literally, in our inner cities, we have all worlds that are living in our urban areas. You don't have to go far. You just have to go two hours north. And you're going to run into some people who need Jesus. We need missionaries. We need resources. We need fresh ideas. And and we need favor. Will you pray for us? You can email prayfortoledo at gmail.com. We have a prayer coordinator that sends out an update once a month of prayer requests and scripture focus. And if you would like to be on that list, it comes out the first Friday of every month. And um, if you send her an email, she would love to add you to the list. Uh, we have about 50 people praying for us daily, and we would love to see that get over 100 people. Prayer makes a difference. Here's the third thing, is continue to give faithfully. Give. When you give to your local church, you are supporting the ministries of the Church of the Nazarene Commission Toledo in Toledo. And um, I, I can't encourage you more um, to do that. Um, there are desperate, hurting, broken people that don't have the resources to start a church. And that's okay because we believe in the bigger kingdom. We believe in the bigger body. And so we do need resources to be invested back into our inner city area to say you matter. You are a son and daughter of the king. You matter. And the good news of Jesus is just as good for me in St. Mary's as it is for you in inner city Toledo. So will you pray for us? Will you continue to love the people of Marysville? Will you continue to give locally? Then that then goes to our district, and then that does get to us in Toledo. You can also give to us directly to Commission Toledo and help us raise money for this landscaping trailer. It would be awesome. But I'm so glad I'm here this morning and that you've asked me to come and share the good news of Jesus. God bless you.